today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always here is Samir Khan. What is up, Samir? Hey, Jeremy. How is it? It's December 31st today. Happy end of New 2022. Year. Happy New right? Year. And, and Almost. Anybody, yeah, right? It's a few well, hours. Well, some parts and... of the world where our listeners are, it's already the exactly. 1st of January. Exactly. And here's the beauty of it. Everybody knows who listens to our podcast. When this time of year comes around, we are going to do our our predictions, our data trend and digital predictions. We're going to talk about last year. If I, I think we have a record, is it like eight out of ten or nine out of ten? Oh yeah. We yeah. Did, in 2020, 2021, when yeah. we did the one for 2022 prediction, then we had eight oh, yeah. out of ten. Yes, you're right. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. I'm scared I'm excited because I don't want to lose here. <laughs> So, okay, so let's jump into this. We're going to do that, and then we're going to come back to our prediction. Okay, first one. Okay, Samir, number one. So these, what we're doing is just so that our listeners are clear, as for the first 10, these are, we're evaluating our performance for the 2022 predictions that we did in 2021, and we want to see how close we were. And then after that, we're going to spend the rest of the show on providing our predictions for 2023 digital and data trends. So I just want to share that. Correct. Just to be very clear what we're doing. Okay, cool. So let's start. First one, ready? Ooh, here we go. Marketers will use AI-powered audience solutions instead of cookie-based. Well, yeah. Yeah, um, I think the... <laughs> well, it's funny that we have one of our 2023 prediction that talks about the cookie and the whole span of, yeah. of that. And... We are already seeing deprecation of the cookie, Google, Apple, Facebook, and everyone are getting rid of the first party cookie. Uh, I'm not sure, I would say we have seen a huge acceleration in audience solution, but I think think CDP. The continual trends, yeah. CDP has been a massive adoption in CDP in 2022. So I would say, you know, based on your background, Jeremy, working with so many different companies, uh, and providing them the CDP solution, I yep. think it's uh, it's fair to say that it's I would say not 100% AI, but it is pretty strong AI powered platform, right? CDP audience development. I agree with that, and I think if anything, yeah. everything is moving that direction, and everybody wants a CDP. They're just not even there yet. Maybe they're they're premature in the what they want, right? But their journey is going to take them to CDP no matter what. Cool. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. So that's one good. For, so that I think we were very close there. One for one. Let, let's just, just yeah. give ourselves a win. Come on. Let's okay. give ourselves a win. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One for one. Number two, actionable video ads within video shopping experience will pre- uh, replace traditional video ads. Uh, yeah, I think they are. Yeah. So interestingly, we're seeing a bigger trend on that on Netflix. Yes. Uh, not on the video ads. But in the series, in yes. you know, some of the latest series where you can actually select the version that you want to watch and you can watch a completely different version than I can watch. Yep. Uh, so that's the trend. And I feel that you're going to see even more penetration into the video ads. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give us this one because I don't think we saw more personalization of content. Well, I, I don't think it was a cannibalization of it. I don't. I think it was maybe an organic growth. So we can give ourselves half a point. 
Yeah, maybe. Well, that's okay. fair. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're, we're, we're looking for points here. Okay, so I have a point. <laughs> okay, number three, conversational marketing will overtake script-based marketing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That I will 100%. Yeah, I think we've 100%. been a huge I mean, era of conversational marketing, big yeah. evolution in chat technology, and some yeah. of it we're going to talk about 2023 10 trends. So it, this was a year of conversational marketing and it will continue in 2023. Cool. We got two and a half points. Let's see what we can get. Okay. Number four, uh, IoT devices will increase 30%. In, yeah. Yeah, of course. Mobile. I would say Tesla's yeah. and all now. Yeah. Well, Tesla's. Everyone, every car provider is coming up with a completely different optimized mobile IoT device equipped vehicle, yep. uh, and that's been a that's been a massive trend uh, with every major automobile company. And we have oh, seen yeah. a significant penetration in 2022. Uh, so I would say yes, that has been a, that has been the case. I'm not sure if it's 30 percent, but like you said, uh, it, there has been a major adoption of well, IoT I mean, devices in the mobile front. Ford F-150 talked about long haul trucking and they talked about when you're pulling a trailer or something, you could put it on and the, you know, the, the IOT and, and the AI in the vehicles allows you to be able to drive long distance and it'll slow down and speed up for you and it essentially drives itself. Nice. A little creepy, but cool. Yeah. All the automated driving and car yeah. crashing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nice. Okay. So we'll give ourselves a point for that. So that's, uh, Two and a three half, and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Adoption rate for a full remote or hybrid sales model. Yes, that is big. So fully remote or hybrid sales models. I yeah. Mean, I mean, you talk about your company itself, right? I mean, how you guys went from being so yeah. much travel to no travel at all. No, I used to travel every and two still weeks. still selling a lot, right? Yeah. I used to travel every two weeks and now do everything you can virtually. But what, you know, here's the funny thing is we found out is that, our close rates were lower when we were still trying to do things virtually. But here's the thing. It's not, okay, it, that might be a biased statement because I personally know if you put me in a room with somebody, I can, I'm going to sell them ba based on me being there virtually, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have the same impact. And you, and you don't know how that works with traditional salespeople, but the close rate's not the same. Being there in a room and being able to read the room, talk to people, excuse me, <clears throat> Yay for uh, allergy costs, right? Um, <laughs> yep. uh, being able to be there, uh, read the room and talk to people and so on, you know, that's so different from from anything else. I mean, it, you can't compare that to being there in person, to being online. So what you're saying is being in online is good, but it is not a comparable to completely being remote. The hybrid sales model is a better approach is what you're saying, right? I'm Which is what we predicted saying, as hybrid sales model is the better approach. It is the better approach because okay. the thing is you you still need that intimacy, that 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 face-to-face -to, -face to feel like somebody's human. A lot of times these companies say, We're getting ready to spend a half a million dollars in software sales with you. Right? We you better make show sure up. You, <laughs> you better show up. You better we better make sure you're a real human or yeah. something. We better make sure you're real. So right. that's a good one. Okay. Cool. Um Customer loyalty in e-commerce will continue to evaporate. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I think customer customer loyalty definitely is evaporating more. I don't know. I, I 
it didn't fully evaporate, but I think there's no loyalty. And I think everybody is all about the price, right? Yeah, I think the, um, I would say people are still connected to bigger brands like Amazon and eBay, Uh, but they do prefer, there's a lot of, there's a significant increase in apps that allows you to do price comparison. A lot of people go to Best Buy in person, just look at the stuff and then they go buy online or they go to Home Depot. And then funny, like some of the Home Depots and Best Buys that I go to, they block the Wi-Fi. I don't know if you have noticed that as well. Like either they slow down your Wi-Fi or they block it. So you can't do the shopping on on your apps and devices. And yeah, I know. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, why is my device not working? And then as soon as I come outside of that, retail store my wi-fi works so it's like okay it's because clearly... you're, it's because you're living off the grid samir that's why it's because you're trying to <laughs> <laughs> yeah right hey so um, if that grid is a best buy and home depot you can say yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but actually what's interesting about that is um you know when you think about it the that loyalty i mean i really think that if you segment out the groups by age and let's say i'm going to throw out a random number so if you sell oh jeremy pulled said the wrong number Come on, dude. I'm, I'm just throwing out a random number, for example. Mm-hmm. They say 50 and up. People are 50 and up. They've gotten so used to using Amazon to be there at home, sitting in the chair or in a couch, shopping on their phone on Amazon, never having to get up, knowing that if they get Amazon Prime, it'll be there in like a day or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going anywhere else. My mom, no, she she doesn't even know how to use a computer but she sure as hell knows how to use the Amazon app because she uses my account. So every time I see her buy something like, Oh my gosh, she's buying something again <laughs> when she could easily go down to the store. Like she traditionally used to do, but she's right. using the Amazon's app because no. it's too easy. It's too easy for them. So it is. And it's a, it's, it's kind of like it feeds your dopamine level, right? When you yeah. buy something and it gives you the message, you bought it, even though you may not need it, it just, Amazon has messed up our culture and society in many different ways. Well, you want to scare it. You want to mess it up even more when you do your taxes, go through and do, uh, go through, go through and look at your account and, and add up how much you spent on Amazon. Purchases oh my God. Yeah. Year. It's scary. It's, it's too much. Crazy. Creeping yeah. up. Okay. But, but I do think there's been a yeah. shift, right? So I think it's debatable because some of the stuff that you would actually need and go buy from other stores, you buy from Amazon. So you may see a decrease in the spending in other places mm-hmm. that you are buying from. I, I would say it's kind of 50-50. 50% stuff, yeah. junk you're going to collect that you probably don't need, but 50% is what you actually need and you're not buying yeah. from the other store, you're buying from Amazon. So oh, yeah, kind of for interesting. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Okay, this one is 100% correct. Personalization will expand across multiple devices. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Of course. I mean, it's the proliferation proliferation of the CDP, uh, the real-time use of the CDP, uh, IoT devices, connected devices, you know, um, talking about um, AI-based audience solutions versus it's all connected together. I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. We'll move on to the next one. We don't have to talk about that. Um, metaverse marketing adoption will increase to for top brands. Okay, hey, this is a good one. Yeah. yeah, it's a hard one. I don't think 
I, I would give probably a, a point one <laughs> that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have seen increase. Like you know, my daughter she plays a lot of video games, uh, so there is that metaverse creation yeah. that's happening, and you know, Facebook named its company Meta and all of that. And I, I would say yes, but I don't think it's to the level that I was originally thinking. And you may be thinking on a different level, but personally, yeah. I was thinking that it's going to be a more significant adoption in 2022, but I don't think it happened. I don't think so either. I think a lot of these big brands were scared. I, I, I think they still don't understand it yet. And yeah, and what know, it really I, I remember even two to three years ago at uh, an Adobe summit or a customer summit, they talked about the use of like a meta or um, like a virtual environment to be able to walk into um, like a Nike store or an Adidas mm -hmm. store. And in that, to be able to look at a 3D image of the shoe and to be able to like use your hand to push on the sole and the sole would expand and be able to say, oh, you know, this These is- These are all the different poly layers and- yeah. yeah, polycarbonate crap and whatever. It's got air gel, you know, stuff. But the thing is- this is not well here's the thing if you look at the tipping point you know crossing the chasm stuff it still has not even hit uh 15 no no it's still early no i've not seen a whole lot there i agree with you cool uh ad optimization will become extremely sophistication sophisticated yeah i would say yeah i mean it's becoming yeah. more complex i mean if you remember like when we started in this a digital space i would say 20 years ago right Mm -hmm. you see the console that we had for ad adwords google adwords yep. and then what do you see now when i log in now i'm like my just mind just blows off there's so yeah. much complexity on how you can manage your ad and that's just google and facebook mm -hmm. is whole another level um oh, no, no, even the criteria and the layers and the you know, I, I mean i, I stopped I, going I, to the staff i would like just give it to a consultant who can do it just go do it man i'm not gonna spend my time no. trying to figure things out and no it's i i kind of feel i'm impressed and feel bad for the new and upcoming marketers who are having to learn all this stuff from scratch and be the practitioners yeah. for this i'm like man you guys are smart you know, <laughs> you know it's crazy stuff it's crazy all right so last one social commerce and influencer marketing integration will increase well yeah yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about it more in the 2023 prediction as well. Uh, I do think that the influencer marketing is going to the, a different level. Uh, people, I would say consumers have realized that brands are using influencers. So they are very, very, they're very cautious on believing mm -hmm. an influencer like they were mm -hmm. before. They used to believe the influencers wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Right now, the trend is they're going to be skeptical yeah. as long as the influencer is a true influencer versus trying to become an influencer because there are like lots yes. of wannabe influencers on TikTok and all of these, you know? Yes, sir. It just blows my mind. But yeah, I would say, yeah, I, I, that, that trend has continued. So I think we, we can probably give ourselves an eight out of 10. Yeah, I think we did pretty good. Eight out of 10 is yes. what I would say. Correct. Yes. You're right. Okay, cool. That's really good. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Okay. So now the excitement's over. Drum roll. Right. We're going to do 2023. Okay. So these are good ones. Um, we're going to have to probably talk about some of these in detail because it could go over some people's heads. If not, some of these went over my head and I had to ask Samir what some of them meant. So 
Let's go over them real fast, right? Okay, so the first one, decentralizing social media to create a super app. Okay, so you want to tell a little background on this one? Like the, the you talked about like the Twitter saga, right? <laughs> the most controversial story of the year. Oh <laughs> Mr. Elon Musk. He fired the cleaning crew in their offices, so there's trash everywhere now. Oh, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Hey, he, he lives in that tiny house, so he doesn't care about anything. No, he's he and, is like and a brilliant... he, now he's living in that in the Twitter house. So. He, he's like he's a living in a board genius. <laughs> he's a brilliant mad genius, crazy person. I'm like, oh my god, this he he he's an amazing individual. But it's like sometimes when you get that smart, the little basic things. I, I think he's losing it, man. He's he's smart, but he's losing it. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go focus on where he's really good at, which is building those technologies, right? He's yeah. not a social media guy. He's not He's not like, a maintain guy. He's a build guy. No, he's don't, not. Don't he's farm. Not a, well, and, and also, he's not a social media guy, right? Uh-uh. I mean, he's not a social. I mean, you look at it, though. His, he's, he's more anti-social. Technolo- he's, exactly. He's anti-social. He's more technology <laughs> person. So he needs to go build those rockets, those Teslas, yeah. and all the good stuff that he has been doing. Because, oh, yeah. because if he's not going to pay attention to those areas, then those technology will start failing. I mean, we see some of the reports coming on in the market. Oh, so, yeah, well, sure. going back to our story, what we're trying to say is it started with social media and the Twitter platform, and then people saw the whole controversial drama that mm-hmm. unfolded this year. And what is happening now is people are realizing that instead of spending their entire time on these one dedicated social media platform, it makes sense to be a part part of the platform that is more community driven, that is more decentralized, uh, yeah. and that's where platforms just such as Mastodon and Blue Sky are coming in, where user is in more control of the narrative instead of the mm-hmm. owners of the social media platform, uh, and this allows the uh, the platform to evolve from being very much guided and super hyper focused on profiting to becoming more of a true social media platform that levels the boundaries and kind of become a custom solution for both content creators and developers. So that's kind of where yeah. the majority of the focus is going to be. So we're calling that decentralization of social media and then more of a super app where yep. multiple entities are coming together to build one bigger solution. I like that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So this next one, this next one's, uh, this one's been a growing trend. I'm surprised we didn't have it in um, last year's predictions, but this is something I think that's really coming mainstream these days. So it's data as a service. So when you think about that, organizations, we're talking about organizations are getting better at collecting and harnessing their data. Um, a lot of times their need to share data through models and insights and stuff, you know, that's really a rise, but it's also the connectivity, all the data. And when mm-hmm. you look at data, it's not just web data. Well, a lot of people think data is just, oh, it's Website data. Well, it's not that. There's three different really categories of data, especially in the B2B and the B2C world. Let's talk about B2C. In the B2C world, you have your web data, which includes all of your traffic data through all your digital properties. And the second thing is you could have either kiosk or brick and mortar data, right? So you have data from your stores. If you have a CRM or if, if, I'm sorry, if you have like a point of sale system, that the people are keen in stuff, that's data that's coming in. If you have kiosks where people are ordering or buying, that's data that's coming in. And the third big piece is cust- excuse me, customer service data. 
So that customer service data could be from a call center where you call in and you give your account number. And then once they give you the account number, they're able to say, well, here's my issue. This is my problem and so on. All of that information is connected to your single customer ID and it's all consolidating into one place into that CDP. And really where that comes in is you're using data as a service. You're selling that data as a service because companies are building these marketing or marketplace platforms to offer these SaaS offerings, right? And, and it's such a big deal because what you don't have is these archaic systems where, do you remember back in the day, Monday morning, you walk in and you look at last year's sales or last week's sales slump, and you have to go and you forget to figure out what's happening with your data. And by Tuesday mm -hmm. or Wednesday, you figure it out. And then by Friday, you launch some type of new plan, not automated. It's nothing like that, but you had to do something manually. You're a week or two behind already. Yeah. Yeah. It's you, terrible. Need, you need access immediately. And, and that's kind of exactly the concept here is where we saw in the last decades with the app driven market, right? Where you go to a marketplace yep. like Google Play or you go to the Apple Store and you can download an app, which is a software as a service. Mm -hmm. Similar concept we are proposing is from a data as a service. So now with organizations having so much data uh, that they are able to provide a marketplace where people can download this data for a subscription. And yeah. it could be many different types of data that, that you need, mo most likely in the similar industry. Like we saw that a lot in oil and gas, where uh, some of the oil and gas majors, they came up with their own marketplace and they have so much data that they collect, like, you know, from the oil wells, the drilling, the accuracy. But appended data. I think that's right. the key. Appended. Talk, yeah, these, are all, data, so, yeah. these are all more private data where they have removed the PII and they can share uh, and so then others can advantage, take advantage of and then benefit from. Yeah. And then you talk about true personalization and then personalization across an IOT or personalization across an infinite number of connected solutions. I mean, holy crap, this is really changing everything. Yeah. I mean, if you imagine like, you know, let's take an example, like, a, or any of the car majors, like if Toyota collected so yep. much data from millions and billions of Toyotas out there. And then eventually start sharing that data with the new EV Toyotas. They're going to be superior, far advanced Toyotas in the world yep. because they're going to have all of that information on how to prevent an accident from happening, right? Yeah. What, what causes an accident and automatically the Toyotas will come with the built-in learning that immediately they sense any kind of issues that have from their historical data that they have collected the car will automatically stop and prevent my car does that life, for me you know i mean i'm yeah. distracted by something and it thinks there's going to be an accident it slows down and stops for me like oh my gosh thank you yeah, car and exactly. it turns down the radio it turns down the music makes a sound and then so on you know yeah that's that's exactly how data service can use so toyota now the whole point was uh, give an example that like Toyota now can sell that data to others, yes, right? Or Tesla can sell that data to other brands. So then instead of they trying to get all this historical data, they can immediately buy subscription service from Toyota or Tesla and then start installing yeah. that data into their automobile of the future. So well, that's kind of yeah. where the whole data as a service becomes really powerful. You know where we saw that first? 
Watson. Remember how Watson exactly. started to sell? Yeah, yeah they that's, just started that's to sell exactly the what it was. Oh my gosh, it's coming full circle. Scary. Okay, <laughs> next thing. Uh, number three, video adoption continues to accelerate. Um, this is a good one. So Samir, we, we have a, a statistic here. We talked about in 2022, 86% of B2B businesses are using video as a marketing tool. And it's predicted they will that the, uh, that the adoption will increase by 92% in 2023. Um, so it says, according to research done by Wiseowl, cool name, Explainer videos are the most popular choice followed by social media and presentation videos. And LinkedIn user-generated videos is an example of how becoming popular with users. So, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that the catalyst for this was really the pandemic. You know, that people were stuck at home, employees couldn't home. come yeah. in, right? They had to onboard, they had to train. Um, these these uh, video adoptions, I mean, it, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, yes. it is. Yeah, and I, I would say is not just originally when we were thinking about it from a video perspective, the biggest trend that we have seen and we will continue to see is explainer video. And that's what the B2B company mostly are using it. So instead of me giving a demo to someone, I yeah. can set up an explainer video that can immediately do the job for me. So I don't have to do like a dedicated demo session because I mean, Believe it or not, like I, I don't like those demo sessions, right? You know, if you just have that to wait to and job. then get on the Zoom call and then at the that end, you know, they're job even... and I was not excited about that. I was like, oh, well, no, God, I, I think but, yeah. your job is not the demo. Your job is the solutioning and yeah. consulting on the solutioning, right? Yeah. It's less about the actual demo. You can just send me the link to the demo and I can watch it, but then your job will be to talk about decryptize yeah. my technology and then help me fit your solution in there. And, and which is like to significantly higher significantly a higher level skill set that's required and experience yeah. that's required versus someone just being on the demo and doing the demo right i think i agree so yeah so that's that's kind of where i'm where my head is like these the explainer videos will probably replace those manual demo sessions and now they have software that makes it so easy it's a WYSIWYG style drag and drop to where people that don't even know how to cut video, how to do HTML, nothing. It's a basic, simple editing form that you, that any marketer could do. So perfect. Yep. Cool. Next one, increase in marketing data tech spending. Well, yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, and, and I think here, uh, yeah. what we're trying to say is marketing tech is spending has been increasing every year. Uh, yep. Last year, well, this year, because of all the recession and everything, it only increased 15%, but it's still a pretty, pretty good increase. And this will continue in 2023. What is more interesting, though, to me was the fact that majority of the spend has been increasing in superior marketing tech like CDP and mm -hmm. marketing automation. We're going to see a significant increase in data tech that marketers can use. So uh, CDP is sort of a data tool, right? It's collecting the data from different platforms yeah. and is making that data available. So gathering, storing data and, and, and making you the data why? converting data into audiences. Did you see Scott Brinker's new list? 9,000. Yeah, 9,000. 9, so, okay. Yeah. 
if anybody remembers in 2011 when scott brinker did his first list it was 150 companies now it's nine thousand holy crap so i even remember what is this Samir? 2015 when 14 15 when you and i were working together at a company we were going to what are those conferences those um scott brinker's martech conference right martech, MarTech. yeah and I remember Scott put in all these things, and that was the trend to where year over year, it was either big companies buying out the small companies or two companies coming together and merging to make the big companies. It doesn't matter what that was. What matters was more data. Mm-hmm. Now you've got 9,000 different tools collecting data, but it's desper- it's dispersed data in siloed solutions that doesn't live in an open garden environment and nothing talks to each other. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Data marketing, data tech spending should go up like crazy. Yeah. It will, it's going accelerating much faster than the regular SaaS applications. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Next one, content creator in brand alignment. Oh my gosh, this is a cool one. So statistically here, you know, we talk about, you know, influencers right influencers are a big thing there are and we joked about this earlier they're real influencers and then they're wannabe influencers wannabe yeah yeah i mean my you know i i have a, a the tiktok a <laughs> i have a niece that that she wants to be an influencer i'm like you're seven um but you know what i, I can't kill her dream because there are no absolutely some, not there are some people that are that are influencers and they're bringing in you know, $50,000 a month. It's like, <laughs> go for it, dude. Yeah. If you get or more, you exactly. Can... Yeah. Well, and dollars, I think that's yeah. what it's getting to, right? So on one side, whether or not the influencers are real influencers, and then the other side, the influencers themselves are trying to, who, who are real influencers, they're trying mm-hmm. to make sure that they communicate to their consumers and their audiences based on the correct brand. Like you can't yes. be an influencer, just promote everything and er, anything under the sun. Deloitte, as a matter of fact, did a study. And what the study showed that 69% of these influencers, they want to work with brain that are relevant mm-hmm. to their audiences. Uh, so I'm not going to, if I'm in the automobile industry, I'm not going to promote like makeup, for example, right? And I'm, and I'm just making it up. Like if you're in the makeup industry, you're not going to promote oil and gas. So mm-hmm. things of that nature, you need to be relevant to your audiences and be uh, careful on what you're promoting because eventually the audience are going to peel the onion. They're going to recognize what's true, what's not, and you're going to lose your brand value. Um, so as an influencer, it's an important for you to create the right type of content and then work with the brand alignment. Yeah, no, it, it, let me give you an example. So um, in my classes, I teach three classes right now and each of the three classes, there's a project. And every single project, when they're building out a marketing plan, whether it was a digital marketing class, a principles of marketing class, or even a social media marketing class, every single student, you know, all of them talked about the, the content creators. They talked about content creators. They talked about influencers and how important they were to their marketing plan. Every single person talked about it. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things to you see that value in newer consumers, right? New age consumers in their 20s and 30s. And, and for them, they're basically saying, well, yeah, if I had Zendaya selling a makeup or one of the Kardashians, you know, pushing some lip stuff, they're going to buy it just because 
it works. They follow him. Yeah. Yep. Hilarious. So I, I think this is going to be a big one. I'm curious to see how it's going to go because I, I'm wondering if there's going to be a point of demission return or a breaking point on it. Yeah. But be curious about that. Okay. Next one. Technical to anticipation marketing automation. Okay. This is something we probably need to, uh, probably need to describe a little bit more to our audience here. Yeah. And so basically what we're saying here is for so far, it's been all about, Hey, as a marketer, the next evolution of marketing, the wave that came in was marketing automation and marketers heavily invested. The budget shifted from CIO to CMO and marketers started mm -hmm. investing a lot of technology such as email marketing automation, personalization, data visualization. What is happening now is companies that have already gone through that evolution of building the right stack is now going to focus on providing the right type of automation to their audience, mm -hmm. to their customer. So anticipating the needs of the customer in advance by using the technology, of course, and using the intelligence, of course, but not putting them into a nurture track, not putting them into an email track that is useless. Mm -hmm. uh, keeping them on board of the right type of marketing automation uh, and providing them the right type of information uh, so then the audiences don't go like, okay, why are you sending me this information? I'm, I'm com that's completely irrelevant. Well, let me give an example. Let me give an example here. Yeah. Remember, yeah. The, remember, the, remember the traditional, um, uh, you know, traditional customer marketing stuff that we used to do is like, oh, let's build out a, three to four email track right so it could be something to where hey in the first email you're going to talk about this and the next email you're going to show them the video and then the third email you're going to talk and invite them to a webinar right then they would set these up through let's say like a marketo or something and they would just go right those are one of those things to where you kind of build and go um after a while i think those are just archaic and boring and you know you got to find these these, you know, marketing automation tools that are triggered based on very technical things to where sometimes people don't want to be talked to. You, you remember how, um, I think there was this learning that I had. I remember working for this one company. We used to send out uh, a million emails a week or actually a few million emails a week. And one of the things I, I remember teaching my team and I actually taught this to the, um, to the senior leadership was the idea that Let's say you're going to send out a list to 100,000 people. Of those 100,000 people, we're going to carve out 10,000 people and we're not going to send them anything. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know what's going on. They're like, why would you do that? Right? It's like, you, you're in charge of this stuff. Are you sure that you want to do this? Because it sounds crazy, the fact that you sounds don't crazy. want to send to yeah. these people. And I said, listen, these people fall under a segmented group who unsub, right? If you send them this message, Sometimes they don't want to be bothered. Sometimes they're in that phase of the sales cycle and the funnel where they're going through and they don't want to be bothered. So that marketing automation needs to be smart enough to where it knows when to talk to somebody and when to not talk when to somebody. When to not, exactly. It, it's, it's as simple yeah, as that. Yeah, that's a great but example. But you know what I mean? It's kind of mind-blowing to think about. It's like, huh, you can actually increase your conversion by not talking to somebody. <laughs> exactly. It, it's like... A, 
you meet somebody and you don't call them back in about five minutes be like, Hey, I just talked to you. They're like, Hey, give me some space here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're harassing me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Okay. Next one. This is a good one. You're going to love this one, Samir. I think we're going to have to explain this to the audience, but we're talking about move over chatbots. GTP four is here. So what is GTP four? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, So GTP, what it is, is a generative pre-trained transformer. And it's the version four. In a very simple way to explain it, it's a natural language processing model. And when they started with this GTP version one, two, and three, they had a different framework on how you develop a natural language processing, which means is how robots or bots, chatbots, Mm -hmm. can communicate with humans. And you know, like those early stage chatbots, like, hello, and say, hello, how are you? Yeah. And so it's just very yeah. scripted. So where we're getting to now, the latest model that has been introduced with this GTP4, that's going to allow the communications to be more fluid. And you're going to feel like you're talking to a human being uh, instead of a scripted response. You can go through a Q&A session. What these models, what these... Uh, AI intelligence does is collect the data from across the internet to answer your question instead of just trying to spoon feed the information and then trying to figure out which response should I provide when. You mean based on a predefined track? Based on a predefined track, exactly. So let's say if you're looking to build a social media presence uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's a great example. So let's say if you want to sell like a blue widget, right? So if you're going to sell the blue widget and you want to produce a lot of social media content, you can put information about your widget in this tool and it will automatically go on the web and create content for you, real content, not those spinning content, like, you know, stealing content, but real content for you based on the information they gathered on the web. And then it will provide you different topics that you can create your content from. So it's the true intelligence of gathering the web data and providing in a form of useful and meaningful communication to the end audience, which has never happened before. Like I haven't, I haven't no. seen any kind of technology that goes on the internet and collects the data and provides me the answer uh, other than just Google, which is like you just type the search frame and it will list you the listing, right? It's not, a, yeah. it's not an interactive tool. So that's what GTP4 is. And we're going to see GTP4 being utilized by marketers to develop social media content, chat communication, and more. I actually saw a friend, um, I'll do a shout out. So if you are listening, a guy named Jason Cherubini, very cool guy that I went to in my master's program with. He is a CPA. He's getting his doctorate. He is a professor of accounting over on the East Coast. And he is the CFO of a film company called Don's Early Light which is kind of cool. And he does a lot of films and you're going to love it with like Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme and other cool, like old school actors like that. So guys. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Right. Um, he actually just posted the other day about writing the book using AI. He, nice. he, yeah. He, I mean, I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I, I basically it took me just a few hours. And he said he wrote an entire book um using, using AI? AI. Yeah. Wow. It, that's, it that's was impressive. The, it, it was the weirdest thing, but I was like, okay, this this dude, I mean, look, I'm I'm looking at yeah, right now. It, that... We're we're actively looking this up while we're talking 
on the podcast. This is uh, oh, this is brilliant, brilliant. Um, okay, I don't think I can find it, but if I could find it, it, he's oh yeah, he said so. I wrote a book this afternoon, and more accurately, I used Open AI to put together the content of a book that I was then able to publish in about three hours. Yeah, that's from exactly my what we're talking about. The Open AI is actually the background yes. platform to GTP four. Yeah, so he he says this article talks about how I was able to do that and maybe give you some ideas on how you can use OpenAI. He says, and the book is called How I Use Chat GT, GPT to Write and Publish a Book in Under Three Hours. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, yeah. Oh my God, it's like, uh, okay. So um, yeah, th this, is something, this is something that's absolutely brilliant and hilarious. So you guys need to check this out. Yeah, so that's a great, have all great these, reference. We're gonna have all these huge authors, you know, going out there talking about like writing books now using GPT, you know, <laughs> or non-authors, right? Now yeah, that right. you can use technology. <laughs> Sorry, GTP, right? Okay, um, yep. okay. So here it is. Uh, next one: increase in interactive web content. So we've seen this increase in interactive web content, right? And a lot of people love these, right? These pros. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you, allergies. Um, personalized quizzes, calculators, and so on, right? All these tests to be like, do are you smart in this? What's your IQ? You know, what's your score if you do this? And a lot of these are just they're they're like albatrosses to be able to collect data on you, right? But in 2023, we're talking about we're going to expect this trend to continue, and marketers will increase using these interactive uh, applications and widgets on their website to really keep people engaged. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, I think it's important, but yeah, people gotta understand forward, yeah. you're, you're giving away data when you do it. It's okay. Nobody's going to complain. I mean, they're not like stealing your information. That's not already out there. So I think it's helping them with providing the right type of content and communication to you and the yeah. right type of products and services. And, and I actually like that. Right. And I remember we were talking about this earlier uh, when we were evaluating our predictions, how interactive video is becoming popular on platforms like Netflix, you're going to see the same thing on ads. I would love to have an ad where I can interact with the ad so that they show me the right type of ad instead of just mm -hmm. showing me any kind of dumb ad that doesn't make sense. To yeah. Me, right. Yeah. I, I would love, I'm, I'm going to be okay with interacting an ad like that. Uh, I, I haven't some, seen it successfully done other than just the quizzes in, in some of the ads. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're heading with this interactive web content. Okay, cool. Okay, so this next one, we're going to have to maybe, <coughs> thank you, cough again. We're going to have to maybe explain a little bit, but I think, Samir, we're going to have to talk about this to make sure people get it. So we're talking about third-party cookies dies a slow death, right? So can we quickly explain to our audience what is happening with this third-party cookies? Because people have heard about it, but they may not know what it is. Yeah, so third-party cookie is when you go to so, for example, if a customer creates an account on, I'm just going to make it up, like you know, Amazon.com, right? And Amazon.com drops a tracking pixel on their computer uh, that is able to track them everything that they do on their website, which is Amazon.com. That yep. pixel is called first-party cookie. So, similarly, if that person goes now on Facebook and Amazon wants to target them with their ads on Facebook, so that point of time, Amazon could have used 
the Facebook data about that person to target them. And that data based on that Facebook pixel is the third party cookie. So that's what the third party cookie is. And the, the whole reason behind this protest or privacy issue against third party cookie is people don't want to be tracked online wherever they go. Uh, you see those ads that they follow you everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That was happening because of that third party cookie. And slowly when Apple started this whole thing with the new iOS devices, and then Google said they're going to do the same thing. Eventually they're going to do it in 2024 now into 2023, but everyone is getting rid of that third party cookie. So just using my data, you cannot track me everywhere on the internet. You cannot yeah. just follow me, you know, it's like those tracking police. Uh, so that's going to basically what's happening here. So now marketers will have to rely on the data of the customer on their own website to communicate with the customer and personalize the customer's journey. Uh, that's the whole idea. And what we're proposing is the reason why it's dying slowly is because mm -hmm. it's been a couple of years since we heard that third-party cookie is going to be deprecated, but it's not completely deprecated. Uh, no. And it's a slow process because the, and, and there is a selfishness to it. It's over privacy because the ad buys, the ad companies, the big, uh, the big monopolies or duopolies between Google and Facebook, they get a significant revenue from ads. Those are based on third-party cookies. Mm -hmm. If you turn out third-party cookies overnight, Google is going to lose a lot of money. Facebook is going to lose a lot of money. So they're selfishly delaying this process uh, as far as they can uh, so until they come up with a better technology and then their revenue gets in a much more better shape to start using first-party data. Great explanation. Nothing to add on that. Okay, the last one. Data mesh and data de democratization. So those are two terms that are probably kind of vague to some people, right? Um, I, th I think really think we need to go in, in there. And I, I believe you do have some explanations we were able to pull, right? On the data. Yeah, mesh. yeah, we, we okay. did some research on this, and what we found out was, uh, uh, yes, there are there are different terminologies. People often tend to get confused, and then if you add the data lake, data warehouse, it gets even more confusing. So, data mesh is a concept that was introduced by a person called Zamat Degani, and the whole idea behind that the data mesh concept is, you have two different types of data in any organization, right? So, one you have the transactional data which is the day-to-day -day transactional data about your customer data usage and uh, your customers like open rates and emails. And then you have the analytics data, which is insightful for you to take action uh, in terms of uh, your CRM data could potentially be your analytics data in terms of the, CR the revenue generated from the customer or your email usage or behavior and social media. There's a lot of analytical insights. What the data mesh does is how do you take both those transactional data and your analytical data, and then you democratize that? What it means mm -hmm. is you make that accessible throughout your organization. And how you do that is, <clears throat> so Zama basically proposed a framework, and we're actually going to be doing a podcast just based on those four, uh, four principles of the framework uh, in future. But in, in a nutshell, those four different principles are first is uh, the data ownership and architecture. How do you do that? The second is to provide data as a product. We talked a little bit more about like data as a service and then self-service data infrastructure where people can get access to the data. 
And then last but not is uh, federated computational governance. It's like, mm. how do you govern this data when now it's being distributed in so many different ends? We talked a little bit more about the marketplace concept, um, mm. but that's the whole idea about becoming, creating this data mesh. So it's not, it's less about whether or not you have a data lake or data warehouse where data is sitting in one central location. It's more about how do you get accessible accessibility of this data to parts of your organization and even beyond uh, how you make this data accessible. So that's the whole concept of data mesh. And we're, gonna, we're already starting to see this accelerates in certain industries and it's gonna be even more uh, prominent, uh, prominent in other industries mm -hmm. and everywhere in 2023. I like that. No, I, so we basically finished our whole list. And if you think about it, what is the one trend for the entire list? It's data. It is data. Data, data is the yeah. new oil, and yeah. also data is the new EV. <laughs> yeah, oil is oil is old. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not even just the data itself, but it's the usage of that data usage and how the data, data is empowered, how it's connected, how it's utilized. I mean, crap! Every single one of these has data built into it. Oh yeah. So, data is now king. Absolutely. You say, say content is king. Sorry, dude. Data is king. <laughs> yeah. Data is the emperor. <laughs> emperor, yeah. <laughs> Depends if you're uh, if you're you're talking about the Sith Lord or, you, or if you're a Star Wars fan, right? What kind of emperor yeah, are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> well, cool, man. This has been great. Um, I don't think we have anything else. I think this is it for today. This is it. And then if we don't talk to you guys and happy new year, everyone. And thank you for continuing to listen and showing us your love. And we're going to be back with more content in the new year. Uh, and we're looking forward to this journey. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Mary.